The holiday season is now upon us. The year is absolutely flying by, and the news never stops. That's why we at the DSR Network have expanded our programming to cover even more of the world's events. We hope you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the member-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of November, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code STUFFING at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code STUFFING. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is your DSR Daily in which we run down some of the top stories uh, that we think you ought to be tracking today and what they may mean. Chris, what do you got for us to start with? By the way, that's Chris Cutmore, one of our co-hosts here. We also have Riley Fessler, another co-host. Should have mentioned that at the outset. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing well. Well, it's the start of the week and that's why I'm forgetting things, but let's let's dive right in. Zelensky gave a forceful speech uh, in which he declared, we're not ready to give our freedom to this fucking terrorist Putin. That's it. That's why we're fighting this war. The speech comes on the heels of a disagreement between his top military leader and his office on the prospects of Ukraine winning the war. Um, And this has all been impacted, obviously, by what's happened in our own country in Congress in terms of uh, funding for Ukraine, as well as the conflict in between Israel and, and Gaza. In our own analysis, uh, Deep State Radio um, and some of our other podcasts, uh, they've sort of leaned toward, um, in the last couple of weeks, Ukraine, you know, or what could potentially happen if Ukraine loses this war. Um, I'm not 100% sure what to think in terms of, you know, what the prospects are, but it seems that things have turned a bit negative uh, in the, for the, for the Ukrainians, given all the other things that are going on in the world. Well, I think there's certainly been a distraction, what was going, is going on in between Israel and Gaza. Uh, having said that, I think the debate between uh, Zelensky and his top uh, uh, military advisors is really whether they're in a stalemate or they're not in a stalemate. And Zelensky says, no, we're making progress. Uh, I think the evidence suggests over the past couple of weeks uh, that they're making progress, but it is very slow. Uh, and I think that is what is manifest in the opinion of the military leader. Uh, having said that, uh, if this turns into a narrative, uh, here in the United States, where uh, money does not go to Ukraine for a while, uh, the situation will deteriorate. And you've also got unhelpful observers, including Elon Musk, um, who has an opinion on everything, uh, who said, you know, if only people had listened to him, then all these Ukrainians would not have died for nothing. Uh, of course, they, they, they are not dying for nothing. Uh, their uh, a malevolent next-door neighbor has 
uh, invaded their country, killed thousands of them, killed innocents, raped women, killed children, destroyed cities, and they're trying to protect their country. Um, so it's not helpful, but Elon Musk is a kind of a, a harbinger of right-wing views in the United States. So uh, it's worrisome, and I think we need to push back on it hard. Riley. So some more news out of Israel. Uh, we heard from the Israeli military yesterday that they had fully encircled Gaza City and were carrying out what they called a significant operation. Um, and this was also accompanied by a communications blackout in the area, which was similar to the one that occurred when the invasion started 10 days ago. Um, so they, the spokesperson said that they were carrying out large attack on terrorist infrastructure, both below and above ground. As we've talked about on some of our shows, there's this extensive network of tunnels underground that um, is expected to be some of the more logistically challenging to take out. Um, and then reporters, despite the blackout, were able to get out word that some of the most intense airstrikes since the beginning of the war and what they called unprecedented bombardment by aircraft and warships was taking place. Um, and this also comes out as the Ministry of Health in Gaza reports that over 10,000 people have died since the outset of the war, most of which being women and children. So, um, I think an, another phase that's going to be particularly devastating. Yeah. Well, there, there seem to be no phases of this that aren't devastating. The Ministry of Health, as we know, is controlled by Hamas, but uh, historically uh, and through this crisis, international organizations believe their estimates are roughly true. If they are true, uh, then we've approached the point where um, the uh, uh, casualties among uh, uh, people in Gaza is now uh, seven times that of the October 7th uh, attack. Uh, the question becomes, you know, what is acceptable? There have been other big attacks on um, uh, uh, civilian uh, uh, facilities, which the Israelis assert have been hiding uh, Hamas terrorists. We're going to have a, another podcast later today, our spy show podcast, in which we're going to be joined by Mick Mulroy, who's a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for the Middle East. Uh, and one of the things that I really want to zero in on on that is, is not the debate you're hearing every day, but the question, is the Israeli strategy the best strategy? Is it going to produce the best results or is it going to produce blowback? And, and, and you know, what, what, are, the, what are the options? Um, so I encourage everybody to listen to that and we'll go deeper into that. Chris? Secretary of State Antony Blinken is wrapping up his trip to the Middle East. Uh, he's met with Turkish Foreign Minister um, today, and the, the goal of the trip, of course, was to to try to convince um, Israel, Netanyahu, and allies uh, that a humanitarian pause was necessary uh, in in Gaza. Um. In terms of you know the the news on Friday was that Netanyahu was not willing to do uh, or to uh, consider a pause, um, and Blinken then went to Iraq in a surprise visit uh, in the middle of the night, um, and wrapping up in Turkey today. And on top of that, CIA Director Bill Burns will be traveling to Israel today. Um, and, you know, last week we reported th th that folks 
uh, are essentially, you know, calling on Biden to do more in this conflict from a diplomatic standpoint. I think this sends an extremely strong message by sending both Secretary of State Antony Blinken and CIA Director Bill Burns that, you know, we're doing what we can to influence the conflict. Um, but, you know, over the weekend, I was speaking with somebody who in, was an Israeli uh, military person and they, you know, their, their take, and it just shows kind of the divide in this whole conflict was, you know, why should there be a pause to allow Hamas to reorganize? Um, and I guess it, it wasn't sort of a position that I'd considered, um, but it just it just shows you how divided we are in this conflict and in other conflicts around the world. Uh, well, and this one in particular, and that view is a view that a lot of Israelis hold and a lot of Americans hold that I heard them talking about it this morning. On uh, Morning Joe, of course, uh, the question is whether a pause would allow Hamas to reorganize. And what is the cost of not having a pause? You know, what is the cost in civilian lives? What is the cost of blowback in the region? Um, as many of the leaders in the Arab world that were warming or, or coming to be neutral on Israel are having to change their views, uh, what is the cost in terms of uh, the, you know, the momentum it may be giving to Hamas uh, and Iran's proxies outside of Israel, not just in Gaza? Um, I don't think we know. Uh, there is an excellent uh, op-ed that has just popped up a, about an hour ago when we were recording this uh, at the Washington Post by our friend Jen Rubin. It says It's called Blinken Tries Diplomacy Built on Empathy. Uh, it talks about Blinken's character. I've known Blinken for 30 years. Uh, he is humane, decent, hardworking, intelligent, and the best Secretary of State. Um, I have seen or reported on in my lifetime, and I've been writing about secretaries of state uh, that go well back into history. Uh, he is doing a superb job in an absolutely thankless situation, um, trying to balance a whole host of, of initiatives. And I would strongly encourage people to read the article and to judge him uh, in terms of his intercessions um, and what they're for, what the U.S. intent is, because, of course, there are many aspects of this we don't control. We can only seek to influence things. Uh, Riley? Yeah, so another couple of pieces of news from China and what seems to be a, a lot of increased diplomatic efforts on their behalf lately. Um, Janet Yellen will hold two days of meetings with the vice premier in San Francisco this week. And this is ahead of the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit that we kind of talked about before, where... Biden is expected to have a meeting with Xi Jinping um, that I don't think has still been officially announced, but as we mentioned before on the show, it's kind of the predominating theory in Washington that this meeting will happen. Um, so just again, more diplomatic efforts from China. It also comes when uh, the Australian prime minister visited Beijing. Um, so, you know, a big meeting there on for them as well. So it seems like they're really making overtures to increase diplomatic ties. Uh, they are. That's a good thing. Uh, we certainly do not need more of a crisis in the world, but neither do the Chinese. And I think that's important to recognize. They have serious economic issues that they are dealing with. Um, uh, uh, and I think they play a central role in helping the United States to advance a whole host of our priorities, um, whether it's um, dealing with climate or dealing with 
uh, containing this crisis in the Middle East or dealing with AI or dealing with arms control, um, we better be talking to them. Otherwise, we've got a real problem in the world. Uh, I, this is all encouraging stuff. Chris? Trump is scheduled to testify in his civil fraud trial today. Um, I, I, I suppose that's the good news. The, ba- the bad news, in keeping with the spirit of the daily doom scroll, is that a New York Times Siena poll came out um, indicating that Trump was leading in five of six key swing states. And while I am obviously, you know, not extremely concerned because we're a year almost to the day away from the 2024 presidential elections, and I view this as information that the 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 uh, that Biden can use in terms of his candidacy, um, it is disconcerting. That you know we are dealing with Trump and all of his potential convictions, uh, and yet he is leading outside of the um, margin of error. Now, a couple of points, or one big point, is if Trump is convicted, it kind of changes the math um, in in these swing states. Um, so. <laughs> So we're rooting for uh, for that conviction. Um, but I listened to the New York Times Daily podcast this morning on all of this and their analysis. And yeah, while they, of course, said, you know, we're a year away from the elections, they were definitely concerned. And the, and the concern was that people, it, 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 was, it was Biden's, you know, weaknesses that were coming out in, in this poll versus Trump's strength. So just to kind of clarify that. Um, but again, we're a year away. So, Yeah, well, we're 364 days away. The election's November 5th. Sunday was November 5th. So now it's Monday. So it's 364 days. Um, the, rea- the reality, well, actually next year is a leap year, isn't it? So we are 365 days away. So we're th- it's 365 days from today. Um, but having said that, um, I think the point about uh, Trump being convicted in four out of the five states that were polled, uh, his if should he be convicted, the support for him falls by six percent, which makes would make all the difference in the world, of course. But it's a year out. Uh, we don't know the methodology exactly of the poll. We don't know if you know who they were calling and 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 so forth there and and the makeup of the group. Um, and. Uh, the, the, the reality is that since 2018, most of the polls that have come out about the Democrats have been substantially wrong, like high single digits wrong, uh, whether it's the 2018 election, 2020 election, interim elections. Uh, we know that because we have a lot of conversations with pollsters. And on Thursday, on our podcast this Thursday, we're going to have Simon Rosenberg back and perhaps one or two other pollsters to talk about this and to do a deep uh, dive into it. Um, and I I encourage everybody to uh, give that a listen because, uh, as you know, Simon and the other pollsters we had on were right the last time uh, around, and the pollsters were wrong. So, you know, trust Deep State Radio, not the New York Times. Riley? So the Supreme Court is set to hear a gun control case tomorrow. Um, This one is a challenge to a 1994 law that prohibits people facing domestic violence restraining orders from having guns which to me seems pretty common sense, but it's part of kind of a wave uh, after the Bruin 
ruling last year that has been overturning a lot of gun control legislation at the state level. This case in particular uh, centers around Zaki Rahimi, who was involved in five shootings over two months around Arlington, Texas, and admitting to having guns in the house while being subject to a domestic violence restraining order, which is against the law. Um, and his prosecutors appealed the ruling. It was originally upheld, but after Bruin, it was overturned. Um, so again, it's just kind of blows my mind that this is even a question. It seems common sense that you would not want people with violent domestic, <laughs> domestic abuse restraining orders to own firearms with an average of 70 women being shot by their domestic partners per month. Um, it's just incredible. Riley, 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 common sense. How long have you been in Washington? <laughs> you, you didn't just, you know, arrive here yesterday. We don't do common sense in Washington. Look at Chris's last story. Donald Trump has been indicted in four separate trials for 91 felony counts. He was impeached twice. He destroyed the economy. Hundreds of thousands of people died under him under COVID. He kissed Putin's ass. He kissed the ass of, you know, autocrats everywhere. He led an insurrection. There's a big Washington Post story. I encourage everybody to read it about his plans to prosecute everybody who was critical of him, uh, including Bill Barr and other people that, that, that ran just yesterday. In, in no sane world would Donald Trump be considered, you know, the the uh, you know leading candidate for being a bond villain he's so fucking evil he's so malevolent and yet you know there are polls that show him leading one of the best presidents that we've had in the past 50 years so common sense are you kidding there's the, you know our gun disease is a sign of a mental illness so is support for donald trump don't tell me it's because of some kind of rational calculus on the part of these people. You can't support Donald Trump rationally. The only things that enable you to support him are irrational. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's, uh, in my view, that's not a political or a partisan assessment. Look at the facts. It's an objective assessment. So please, common sense. We don't do that in Washington. Um, uh, well, they do it in the White House, but they don't do it everywhere else. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, great. Lovely to talk to you guys at the beginning of the week. We've got a full week. Let me say one other thing. Last week, we did two excellent podcasts on artificial intelligence related subjects. We did one with Freedom House uh, on artificial intelligence and disinformation. We did one um, uh, uh, on the president's uh, uh, executive order on artificial intelligence. I've got a lot of positive feedback from it. If you haven't listened to them, go listen to them. This is a big issue and one that I think we are going to cover uh, in, in, in more ways uh, going forward uh, on a regular basis because there's a lot of misinformation out there and it's an issue that touches almost every aspect of almost everyone's life. So I encourage you to go back and look at them. It's the kind of thing we do well here, which is deep dives into things uh, that, you know, you can't get a good read on from listening to or participating in social media. For now, thank you, Riley Fessler. Thank you, Chris Cottonwar. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back with more here on the DSR Network real soon. Bye-bye.